Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Lord's house tonight as again we gather to celebrate his grace and his goodness, to worship our amazing God and just thank him for another day, uh, another day of his goodness, uh, another day to share that with everyone that we know, the good news of his love for us. We are in this sermon series, as you know, probably know, uh, called um, the Hall of Faith. And each weekend, we're picking out one of the great saints of the Bible. And we're learning a little bit about their story, their life, their journey, and how God worked through their faith to accomplish great things in the kingdom. I've really loved this sermon series so far. We've learned a lot, and uh, I think we've also learned a lot about ourselves. So tonight, we get to talk about David. King David, I'll talk about a hero of faith, and uh, we're going to see that he was called by God himself, a man after God's own heart. So we'll learn what that means, what that looks like, and uh, how we can seek to be called the same by God in our lives. So I can't wait to dig into that with you uh, in our worship. So some announcements before we begin. In your announcement bulletin, make sure you check out this really wonderful opportunity, the Judson University Choir is going to be here with us for a couple of days, and they're going to put on a concert for us on Friday night, November 3rd, uh, at the Faith Ministry Center. And it's not just a choral concert. They really incorporate, it's more of a Christian worship service than it is a concert, with some singing, some uh, audience, uh, the congregational responses and things. So put that on your calendar. You're not going to want to miss it. Friday, November 3rd. And we also are looking for host homes. The whole choir needs a place to sleep because they're spending the night here. So if you've got like a five or six or 10 beds extra at your house uh, and you could host some of the choir, there's information in your announcement bulletin about that. Um, you can get to know some wonderful uh, young men and women who are sharing their faith through their, through their voices. All right, so that's in your announcement bulletin. Also, you all know we're celebrating our 75th anniversary as a church here at Faith and uh, we're having a decades dance. That means we're all gonna dress up in a decade costume and just join together for some fun. So you can be 40s, 50s, 60s, whatever, uh, you, whatever decade works for you, poodle skirts, uh, whatever, you know. Uh, but you can join us for that dance on Saturday, November 11th here at CMC. It's one of the many things that we'll be doing this year to celebrate our 75th anniversary. Don't forget Trunk or Treat is Saturday, October 28th. I think that's next Saturday, right? We're still accepting candy donations if you want to bring some for the kids. And I've been telling everybody I'm sampling all the candy to make sure it's safe ahead of time. So feel free to bring it on in. And then lastly, uh, next uh, Sunday. Uh, so if you happen to be with us on Sunday, we have to take everything out of the gym because uh, we're going to uh, redo wax the floor in here. So if you can stick around a little bit if you're with us on Sunday after worship to help us move things out of the building, that would sure be great. So make a note of that if you're able. All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our God. And let's begin with a time of fellowship. Just stand up and say hello to those around you. Shake a hand, share the peace of the Lord. Well, why don't we all stay standing as we worship the Lord? We're going to sing the song, Better is One Day, because, I mean, 
It will be better one day when we're in God's house and place for us. So let's sing the song.
worse than thousands elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Better is one day in your courts than thousands elsewhere. Thousands elsewhere. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to sing this song, Give Me Faith. And this song we have sang a couple times um, here. And when we sing this song, I just want you to have a heart posture of confession, of opening your arms, opening yourself to the Lord, being like, Lord, I need you. I need you to break me apart. I need you to break my sin apart, make me recognize where my sin is. Sing this song.
just heard in that song, we had this one line that really struck me as we were singing it tonight. It's that all I am, I surrender. I don't know if you ever think about confession as simply surrendering. I think sometimes we think confession is like, okay, it's my turn to say all the things I've done wrong. It's my turn to remember all the times I failed, all the things I should have done that I didn't. And, and we make it sort of as a informational for God, like he doesn't know already. But confession really at its core is just a surrender. It's just surrendering to God and saying, my flesh is weak and I fail, God. I give up. I realize, I recognize that I'm broken. And it's throwing ourselves ourselves at his feet for mercy. That's really the heart of confession. And whenever we do that, as we sang, God is great. We may be weak, but his spirit is strong. And his love for us is so strong that he sent his son Jesus to do what we couldn't, to obey the law and to, to not sin and to give us his righteousness on the cross. So how blessed are we? When we surrender, God is there to catch us and to forgive us and to lift us up. It's my joy as one of your pastors to remind you again of this good news and that your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus, amen. So again, as we're singing this next song, Living Hope, uh, there's a line here I think I would like for you to think about. Who could imagine so great a mercy? That's what we're gonna sing about, the mercy shown us by God.
Please be seated. I'll ask the kids to come forward. I have a special message I want to share with you tonight. All right, we have one brave soul. I'm so glad you're here because you want to know a secret? All the big people out there learn more from this message than my sermon, so it's good that we can talk. All right, we're talking about King David today, you know. That's going to be our person that we talk about in the Bible. And David knew something really important. David understood a word I want to talk with you about. It's called forgiveness. David really knew what forgiveness was because he made some mistakes and he came to God and asked for forgiveness, and God forgave him. In fact, one time David said this. He said, Lord, blot out my sins. I think that's kind of a weird word, to blot out our sins, and that's what I want to talk with you about, all right? What does it mean to be forgiven and have our sins blotted out? So here's how we're going to get at that. I brought a piece of paper, and um, I mean... You know what a sin is, right, when we do something wrong, right? So I'm going to write the word sin on here. Have you ever done a sin? Yeah, me too. Like, um, have you ever said a mean word to somebody? Have you been mean to someone ever? Mark that one down. Have you ever um, gotten angry at someone? And like, yeah, you've gotten angry. Have you ever, like, taken something from somebody, like a toy or something? No, you didn't do that one? Good. 
Have you ever been selfish with something? You've not shared something with another person? Oh, yeah, I'll write that one down. Yeah, all of these things. We could put a whole list together of our sins, right? See them all listed here on this piece of paper? Now, you know Jesus loves you and wants to forgive those sins, right? But what does it mean to forgive them? Right? If your sins are forgiven, Jesus says, I forgive you, and your sins are blotted out. You think it means like you can just say, Jesus, forgive my sin, and then you just kind of hide it back here? If you hide your sin, do you think it's really forgiven? Mm, it's not, isn't it? It's still there. Oops, see it? You're just hiding it. It's still there. It's not really gone, is it? Right? That's not what forgiveness means. That, it's not to blot out our sins. How about this? What if I were to crinkle it up like that and then just throw it away? Is that what it means to be forgiven? No, because look, it's still there, isn't it? It's all crinkled up, but it's not gone. It's still there. Sure enough, there they all are again. That's not forgiveness. To hide them or just kind of try and ignore them or throw them away, that's not forgiveness. You know what? This is the best way. On this big old whiteboard, I'm going to write the word sin. You see it on there? That's all of our mistakes and all of our sins. And you know, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't hide our sins. He didn't crinkle them up or throw them away or try and ignore them. He blotted them out. He made them go away like that. You see it? It's gone. Do you see it on there anymore? It's all gone. Jesus died for it to forgive him, and he blotted out our sins. That's what it means to be blotted out. He takes them away. He makes them go away so that we don't have to worry about it anymore, so that we don't have to be afraid of our sins anymore, so we can learn and try and be a better a believer and a follower of Jesus, right? Our sins are gone, forgiven. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's what Jesus did for us. He forgave all of our sins. So we're going to talk in a little bit more about how David understood that forgiveness and how it changed his life, and it can change ours too. Good? All right, thanks for coming up. All right, my friends, now we're going to turn to the word of the Lord. If we're going to choose some passage of Scripture that talks about David, do you know what the selection is? It's huge. We could be reading Scripture up here for an entire hour just about the story, the life of David in the Bible. So we chose this section from 1 Samuel chapter 17. Maybe the best-known story of David of all is the story of David and Goliath. But maybe you don't know all that leads up to it. And that's what we wanted to read and share with you today, the story that led up to David taking that little sling and those stones and defeating the giant Goliath. So from 1 Samuel chapter 17. <clears throat> now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokah in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damon between Sokah and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. 
The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Now a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. By the way, that's about 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, about 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse has directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see this man, how he keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. We will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. So David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? 
He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men assured him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. So Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not even able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy and he has been fighting, uh, he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. This is the word of the Lord. O 
Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Now would be a good time to pull out your little sermon outline if you've got that there with you as we kind of work through what we can learn from this great man of faith, David. And uh, if you look there, you see I wanted to title the message, um, David, a man after God's own heart. And I didn't want to just look at the little story that we heard in our lesson about David and Goliath, although we will certainly talk about that. But I wanted to look at his whole life. Because when we look at David from a young boy until his death, you know, you can say a lot of things about David, but God summed it up in Acts when he said, he is a man after my own heart. So that's what we'll chat about today. So what would you say is the secret to greatness? If you had to ask, you know, what does it mean to be great? And what would you say is the secret? Folks in Hollywood would say the secret to greatness is probably a pretty face, right? Folks in Washington, D.C. would probably say the secret to greatness is connections and political clout. People in Wall Street would say that is probably financial acumen and having the right connections, secret to greatness. People who are playing football tomorrow would say it's probably to be athletic and strong and fast. But what is the secret to greatness? Well, look at the verse I printed for you, 1 Samuel 16, 7, the very top of your outline. This is very telling. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think we see as we look at how God defines greatness, that the secret to greatness is the heart. The secret to greatness is character. The secret to greatness is who you are in the inside, right? That's God's definition of greatness. The heart of the matter we're going to learn is really the heart. So think about David, for example. David was one of the most greatest, most amazing, greatest men who've ever lived. He was a king. He was a shepherd. He was a poet. He was a general. He was a musician. He was a giant killer, right? He, was, uh, he wrote most of the book of Psalms. He united the kingdoms together. I mean, David was a great man. And yet when God looked at him and saw all of the achievements and all of his successes, what does he say that made him a great man? Again, I printed it, Acts 13, 22. David is a man after my own heart. See, God is not impressed with the things that the world thinks are impressive. God is impressed by your character, by your heart, by who you are. So I guess the question is, how do you see what's in a person's heart? How do you know what's in a person's heart? You really can't see it, right? You can't see a person's character, what they think and they believe. But do you know how we see what's in a person's heart? We see it by how they react to things in life. We see it to how they live. We see it is how they respond to the, to the brokenness and the things that we experience in our life, in our world every day. So what I want to do with you for the rest of the time, this is a great example that David gives us of what a man after God's own heart, what it looks like and how he responds to things. So on your outline, we're going to look at these four tests of a great heart, a heart after God. We're going to look at how does a great heart respond to sin? How does a great heart respond to stress? How does a great heart respond to service? And how does a great heart 
respond to success. Sound like a plan? All right, buckle up, here we go. How does a great heart, a man after God's own heart, uh, respond to sin? Well, with David, we see that he had a repentant heart. David was a great repenter. I don't know if that's a word or not, but he was great at coming to God with his sin. When David made a mistake, he didn't try and cover it up. He didn't try to hide it. He didn't try and make an excuse for it. The great example of this is Psalm 51, this whole psalm that David wrote after uh, he confessed his sin with uh, Bathsheba and murdering his, uh, her husband. He just comes clean. He doesn't blame Bathsheba. He doesn't blame anyone else. He admits his sin and he admits his brokenness. And that's one thing I just adore about the Bible. The Bible always tells truth. It tells the truth. It tells of all of David's successes all of his great achievements, but it also tells of his failures and his sins and his weaknesses. It tells the truth about who David was, uh, and David knew that and was willing to confess it. The verse from Psalm 51 I printed for your outline. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David knew how to confess his sin, his brokenness. And you know why that gives me great comfort? Because in spite of his sin and his failures, God still said, here is a man after my own heart. That means that broken people can still have a heart after God. It means that sinful people like you and me can still have a heart after God. So, it's just comforting to know that even though we're broken, God still loves us. God still has a plan for us, and God still wants to work in our lives. So you don't have to be perfect to have a heart after God. In fact, David said in Psalm 51, 17, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not reject. David believed in a forgiving God. David believed in a God who loved him unconditionally, no strings attached. David believed that even though he was broken, he could still follow God, still praise God and worship God, and God would still have a plan and purpose for him in the kingdom. Great words for you and I in our sin and brokenness, that when we repent, we have a forgiving God who loves, forgives, and still works in our lives. First test of a great heart is a repentant heart. All right, second test is stress. What does a great heart look like? It looks like someone who, in the midst of stress, still trusts, a trusting heart. I'm telling you, few had more stress in their life than David. I mean, he would constantly was at war with other nations. There was not a time in his whole kingship when he wasn't at war with someone. He was chased by Saul. He was pursued by giants and his family. Talk about family stress. If you've ever read about David's family, his son raped his daughter, then another son killed that son, and yet another son overthrew, uh, took over the throne from David, rebelled against him, and was killed before David could have the throne back. Talk about dysfunctional family. Talk about family stress. David certainly knew what it was like to have stress in his life, and yet, in spite of all of that, look at the verse from 118. In my distress, 
I prayed to the Lord. He answered me and rescued me. He is for me. How can I be afraid? In the midst of the stress, David never gave up on God. I like it. He says, I prayed, I trusted, and now I just keep on moving forward with God. I prayed, I trusted, and now I keep moving forward with God. That's what I think courage is. Courage is not that you're not afraid, but courage is even if you are afraid, you'll still move forward with God at your side. David did this for sure. He knew that he couldn't do it on his own, but with God, he could do all things. Psalm 73, he said, my mind and my body may grow weak, but God is my strength. He is all I ever need. I love that sentence. He is all I ever need. If I'm gonna face Goliath, I don't have to have a sword. I don't have to have armor. God is all I need. He will be with me. And that was David's mantra through all of his life. God would be with him to face the giants. And he was. And then in spite of it all, he said, I kept on believing. You wanna know how we get through stress and difficult times in our lives? There's the answer. Keep on believing. Keep on trusting. Keep on praying. Keep on trusting. Keep on moving forward one day at a time, knowing that God is all you need and he will work through it. What a lesson of a man after God's own heart, this trusting heart of David. Right, we're all okay. Number three. Third test is service. How does a heart of God respond to service opportunities with a servant's heart? You can say what you want about David, but the one thing he wanted more than anything was to do God's will. In all, it was all about doing God's will, obeying the Lord. In fact, I love the verse in Acts 13. God said, David does everything I ask him to do. I wish God could say that about me because I know that's not true. Sometimes I get selfish, sometimes I get greedy, sometimes I do what I wanna do, not what God wants to do. Many times, chances to serve, I'd rather not. David was a great example to do whatever God asks us to do. And look at the next verse, Psalm 119. He says, with all my heart, I try to serve you. David served with zeal and joy, not out of duty, not because he thought he would get something from God for doing it, but just with joy out of his heart. A man after God's heart, a woman after God's heart serves with joy. And finally, the fourth test is how do you deal with success? How does a heart after God deal with success? And the answer is with a humble heart. Again, here, David is such a great example for us. He was Mr. Popular. After he defeated Goliath, it was just the beginning of a whole slew of victories, and the people loved him. They even made up a song about him when something like, Saul has killed his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. He could have done or anything he wanted, could have had anything he wanted, and yet he was humble. I love 1 Samuel 18. In everything David did, he had great success because the Lord was with him, and he recognized that. He recognized that it wasn't him, it wasn't his strength, it wasn't his might, it wasn't his effort, but it was the Lord who was with him. Psalm 115, he said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. David always gave credit to God for what he had accomplished in his life. So friends, do you wanna have a heart after God? Do you want it to be said of you that you're a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart? then pray that God would give you a repentant heart, a trusting heart, 
a serving heart, and a humble heart, because then you will walk in his ways. God bless you as he enables you to do that very thing every day. Amen. Well, at this time, we'll say thank you to God for all that he has done for us and all that he's given us. As the baskets are passed around, I want to thank you for your giving. You know, these are the gifts that we use to tell the world about God's great love for us and to share the good news of Christ. So thank you for joining us on that mission, and thank you for your giving.
If you're able now, would you stand as we come to God and we bring him our joys, our concerns, our special prayers, and we do so confidently because we know he always hears and he always, always answers according to what he knows is best. We pray. Oh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, so grateful today for the example that you've given us of David. We know he wasn't perfect, but we know he was perfectly loved by you, perfectly forgiven. And because he sought to follow you, you called him a man after your own heart. Enable us, Lord, to be men and women after your own heart, that everything we do might be done to give you glory, honor, and praise, and we might feel your hand strengthening us and encouraging us to be useful in the kingdom here. Lord, we want to pray for those who are struggling, just feeling that love in your life. There's so many people that don't know you or struggle with what it means to be a believer, a follower of yours. We ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would use us, our love, our faith in action to reach out to the world with the good news of that unconditional love and forgiveness that is theirs as well. Lord, today we also want to pray for those who are sick and struggling or facing surgery. We lift up to you Kate Art's dad, Doug, who has stage four cancer and is fighting it hard. We rejoice with Lois Barth, who had successful surgery last week, and we pray for Joel DePactor as he undergoes some pretty serious surgery this week as well. Lord, for these and others who are struggling with health issues, we pray you would bless with your healing hand and bless with your abiding love and presence. Lord, we want to also pray for families who have lost loved ones and feel the sting of grief. We pray for the family of Kathy Springer, for the family of Michael Clee, and for Kathleen Lane and her family as they mourn the passing of her father. Lord, as they all grieve, we ask that you would give them hope, hope of everlasting life, one for their loved ones by Jesus, a hope of eternity. Lord, we also have things to celebrate this day. We rejoice with Rod and Barb Tillman in 43 years of marriage, and we celebrate with little Josiah Michael Hoyman, who will be brought to the font of holy baptism tomorrow. And for all the celebrations of life, we celebrate and rejoice that you enable us to do all these things. We're so grateful for our Faith and Action Day today, for the many who volunteered, for the wonderful uh, things that were done, for the stories that are told, for the love that was shared. And pray that it was a blessing, not just to those who served, but to those who received that service, that, uh, again, you receive glory, honor, and praise. So, Lord, all of these things we bring to you in the name of Jesus, our Savior, who also taught us how to pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, friends, as you go out, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.
children, you hear your children.